KRCL, Salt Lake City. Homegrown's all right with me. Homegrown is the way it should be. Homegrown is a good thing. Plant that bell and let it ring. Homegrown. Homegrown. I'm going to start singing along to that song, Al Dine. KRCL's punk rock farmer in the house with me, Laura Jones, for a Punk Rock Farmer Friday edition of Radioactive. Great to be here. What a beautiful day. I know, right? Yeah. Time to start growing some food outside. What have you been growing? Because I know you already put stuff in trays. I put some stuff inside outside, but it was stuff that I started in the middle of February and indoors and chard, kale, cabbage, that kind of stuff. Cold weather crops, but it's so darn warm outside right <laughs> now. It's like, are they even going to do good? Yeah, right. Well, we're just talking to eBay, uh, and he said he's got a tomato plant on the counter with flowers. I'm like, really? That's like pushing the limit. Yeah. You know, I mean, he's going to have to like. Like trellis it or something. Yeah. <laughs> Indoors, it's not going to want to go outside. Coming up on the show, Aldine, what are we going to get? What are we going to get into with more true tales from the agrihood? We have James Loomis, and we're going to talk a little bit about Green Phoenix Farm and the big news over there. They just went certified organic. That's so cool. That's and hard. Yeah, it's really hard. And we'll ask him about all that stuff and how hard it was and uh, what he has to do to make it happen. They're growing, what, the 40,000-plus starts for the spring plant sale for Wasatch. 40,000-plus organic starts grown at the greenhouse there at the Green Phoenix Farm. And with a lot of help from the homeless women in their program they have That's right. There. They have a, a jobs program that involves green phoenix farm and we got a lot of stuff to talk to james about to help folks get their mindset like my biggest problem with the plant sale is i buy a bunch of things without planning what i'm gonna do with it so i'm hoping for some tips there we have another another punk rock farmer on the show yes and a, a punk rock farmer family with a little boy and her and her husband christian crops with us and from bug farms and bug farms is right here pretty close to the station in our neighborhood feeding people food uh, you know um they're over there on the Cheyenne Street neighborhood where the big backyards are. Celia Bell is across the street. Um, Shad Stagel is over there. There's a lot of food being grown in that neighborhood. Very punk rock. Also, Skywatcher Leo T with another fresh report of Many Cultures One Sky. But we start where we always start with some fresh homegrown music. Al and I caught up earlier today with J Rag Cooley, who's got a new album out. Here's that conversation. Hey, thank you so much. Where are you, J-Rat? I am in Las Vegas. We just got done playing a show last night. So how was it, man? It was a long night. It was a lot of fun. We did play 10 to 2 in the morning and oh. stayed up till about 7 in the morning. And I'm, <laughs> I am, I'm about to fall asleep, but I'm doing good. I'm, I'm happy to be here. How you doing? Good. Seven-piece band last night? Yeah, you know how Vegas is. It ruins people's lives and stuff. <laughs> so tell us about the uh, new album, Yard Sale. It, I, so I went and recorded it in Tennessee in this little town called Hendersonville. It's about five, ten minutes away from Nashville. Um, and I had Tony Holiday produce my album. Uh, this was like two years ago or year and a half ago or something. He was bringing up the idea of producing an album for me because I just sent him a little recording. I was trying just for fun. I recorded at my house. And then that was when he had the whole idea to produce my album and stuff. 
And then I went out there eventually, kind of skipping chapters here, but went out there, um, recorded it at the beginning of last year in January. Uh, that was the first session. And then I had to go back for a second session in like June, I think, uh, last year. And then now it's done. We had Victor Wainwright, uh, Grammy-nominated piano player, playing, playing on it. And then you had you had you had two slim Tim Tim Langford. Yeah, yeah. Tim he, Langford, he, two slim, two slim, and the Tail Draggers. They he played guitar on a song. He's a friend of ours back from the '80s, man. We played with him in the '80s. He was a great friend of Ramon from Red Iguana and ours, and been up on stage with him and played with him too. And that's really cool. He's a great guy. Yeah, he was way nice. I met him just for one day. He was in the studio, but um, the engineer, Zach Kasich, he was just friends with him and he was in town and he was like, dude, I got this friend, you know, he's really good at guitar. He should come in and um, play on your album or whatever. And I was like, all right, get him in here. You know, I trust your word. And he came in. He did so good. It was awesome working with him. Super nice guy too. Very humble. Cool stuff, man. Really cool stuff. So um, you're, you're coming back from Vegas. Do you have shows coming up here? Do you have the state room coming up here, right? Yeah, that's our next show in uh, Salt Lake. It's April 8th at the state room for my album release. Uh, the album just came out on Friday, last Friday. Not this Friday. A week ago from today, I guess. And then... Sorry, I got some music playing here. And then we're doing, yeah, we're doing the album release show at the State Room on April 8th. It's, doors are at 8, I think. Is that with the big band, too? Yeah, yeah, we'll have a, so we're usually a four-piece band. Um, we are a seven-piece band for this show. What's the instrumentation? We got bass, drums, two guitars, Sometimes <laughs> two guitars play some songs. Then we got two background singers. Um, I play, I switch off between uh, piano and harmonica and sing or whatever. And then, and then we got this guy right here playing the organ. He'll be playing with me too. Cool. Who is that? Danny Shaw right here. Hello. And we got hey Danny. You guys getting ready to drive back from Vegas. So yeah. let's play your favorite song on the album. I know it's like choosing which of your children's the favorite, but what's your favorite song? Hill Hate is Gone. That's the one I would recommend playing. It's the last one on the album. This is J Rad Cooley off the new record with Till Hate is Gone. Right here on KRCL 90.9 FM. I seem so uptight, you think 
got me crying, Lord, but I got my happy home, and I'm glad I'm not alone, just like the stars and the sun. Forget my life. Don't wanna grow old and regret my life. Oh, I'm lost and I'm found, and it's so hard to tell when I'm up or I'm down. I might have to go. Back around, Lord, 'cause I got my happy home, and I'm glad I'm not alone. Just like the stars and the sun, I will move along till it is gone.
Many cultures, one sky. Skywatcher Leo T here as we look up, look around, and get lost in space with the Hubble Space Telescope. Yeah, it's not going away. Astronomers have discovered the farthest star yet, an extremely hot, amazingly bright giant that formed nearly 13 billion years ago at the dawn of the cosmos. This luminous blue star is long gone, but so massive that it almost certainly exploded into bits just a few million years after emerging. Its swift demise makes it all the more incredible that an international team spotted it with observations from the Hubble. We're seeing this star as it was about 12.8 billion years ago, which puts it about 900 million years after the Big Bang, said astronomer Brian Welsh. We definitely just got lucky, he said. He nicknamed it Irendel, an old English name which means morning star or rising light, a fitting name for a star that we have observed in a time often referred to as Cosmic Dawn. An image made available by NASA on Wednesday, March 30th shows the star and the Sunrise Arc galaxy stretching from lower left to upper right, optically bent due to a massive galaxy cluster. Between it and the Hubble Space Telescope, which captured the light, the mass of the galaxy cluster serves as a magnifying glass, which is what Einstein told us it would do. Look for the Skywatcher site for this image. And as we look a little bit closer to home, in early dawn Sunday morning, the waning moon shines in the southeast. Look for the left of it for a spectacular evolving triangle of brilliant Venus, fainter Saturn, and Mars, as shown on the Skywatcher Facebook page from Sky and Telescope. And oh, Castor and Pollux in Gemini are still very high overhead these evenings and uh, moving to the southwest. Now use your imagination or your binoculars and look up and find the Clown Face Nebula. Yeah, that's right, it's not Kinko, but uh, it's in Gemini, not far from Castor and Pollux. It's a little disk of a planetary nebula. And of course, even closer in low Earth orbit before it's totally commercialized, a Russian Soyuz spacecraft carrying NASA's Mark Vandehei and two Russian cosmonauts undocked from the International Space Station on Wednesday landed back on Earth in the steppe of Kazakhstan, a vast open grassland. Good news for getting along in space. And also getting along in space 50 years ago in the real space age of 1972, Apollo 16 and 17 both landed on the moon and came back. They spent lots of time roving and hiking and enjoying the magic. They brought back pristine moon rocks. Scientists are just now discovering some of these gems. Well, they're just looking at them anyway, and they're discovering surprises we're going to tell you more about next time as well as some of their hikes around the moon. It's Many Cultures, One Sky, the following from poet Margaret Pettis. More than ghosts walk here on nights when the moon bathes the yard with crooked shadows of poplar, when the final leaves dapple the snow like spots on a white Appaloosa, when the north wind had nothing left to strip from limbs bowing to its passage. With perfect cloven tracks, blue in the first light, they come at night Tipping bird feeders with strong tongues, the hungry band of graceful marauders winds through trees that offer no cover, refugees from frozen mountains finding no enemy in this sleeping house. So keep enjoying life. Look up, look around, get way lost in space. Skywatcher Leo T. Thank you, Leo. Volunteer contributor to Punk Rock Farmer Fridays. I'm Laura Jones, and this is Radioactive on KRCL 90.9. Aldine, let's get in some rallies and resources. There's some things coming up we want folks to know, like uh, Wasatch Community Gardens. They have their online education coaching series with Mary Beth Janerick coming up April 6th and 20th. We'll put details in the show notes tomorrow is a garden seed swap for the Fair Park Community Garden that they're doing. 10 to 2 at 1037 West, 300 North. 
largely for the neighborhood, but stop on by if you want some advice. If you have some seeds to swap, bring them with you. I'm sure you'll be welcome. Pretty good. A couple of cool things, and CSAs are all the rage to sign up right now. So we have a special guest. Yes, we have a special guest, Kristen Crops, with us from Bug Farms. Uh, Kristen, thanks for coming. It was really great to uh, come over and visit you guys' this place the other day. And over on Cheyenne Street, I don't know if folks know it, but there's some big backyards over there. And uh, there's been a lot of food growing over there for a long time. It's been, it's been quite a while. It's something that is perpetuating over there, and it's really cool. Yeah, it is really cool. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so a little history on bug farms, because I know that I'm – I think I've heard somewhere that maybe they were one of the first ones, the woman who started it, Sharon, to have a CSA in here in Salt Lake. Is that true? Um, I don't know exactly. I think it true. is, though. Is it? I think it is. I think that, that that model wasn't very popular back when it started. Do you know? Tell, tell us a little bit about how long. Yeah, well, I can tell you what I know. Um and if Sharon was the first one to start a CSA here, then that sort of tracks with her being a bit of a revolutionary, I guess. Um, so as far as I know and understand it, um, 2010 was the first year that Sharon started farming um, under the Backyard Urban Gardens or Bug Farms name. And to my understanding, she had plots all over the city and was doing a lot of spin farming, small plot intensive growing, um, and then did that for a number of years. And then the business transitioned hands um, to some folks who had been working with her and who were close friends, Coleman and Carly. I think that was around 2014. And then, you know, I guess Bug has just gone through a lot of different phases and morphologies over the years. But um, in 2017, I started working with Coleman and Carly and was just sort of blown away by the model and what they were doing. So they're basically farming in people's backyards and... I know over time, even though Sharon started kind of all over the Salt Lake Valley, it sort of has consolidated toward um, the neighborhood where we now live and grow. And so we've got a bunch of different plots over there. And um, it's just really, I was just blown away when I first saw it because you wouldn't know from the street that there's a bunch of farming and gardening going on until you get a peek around the houses, you know? Right. And this is over in Glendale, right? Correct. Yeah. And, um, you know, if you get close to the fire, the hook and ladder uh, burger place, you know that's you're, you're getting close to the right area. Indeed you are. <laughs> yes, you're getting. And so you guys, um, land issues are always something that comes up for farmers in the city. Always. I mean, we've heard it over and over and over again. There's a lot of land over there, and um, it's always changing a little bit. But you guys are grabbing whatever you can. Like, I mean, you guys have... When Carly was there, I think she showed me three plots. And that it's been a few years back, obviously. And you showed me six or seven plots. And some are in transition, but you're, you're farming how many right now? Well, I mean, maybe Carly was being humble and didn't show you all of the. <laughs> she might have been hiding some or something. I don't know. Um, but I think a lot of the plots that... So we, my partner, Zach, and I took over the business from Coleman and Carly in um, 2019. And so at that point, I think most of the plots that they had been growing in, we were still in, except for one, which which we lost. But, you know, all of... 
most of the land that we're using, they're just people who live in the neighborhood who have been gracious enough to share their space with us. And we trade them a CSA share. We pay for our own water that we meter. Um, and then Hans Erbar, also who was the founder of Wasatch Co-Housing, I think has been a pretty instrumental figure um, in wanting people over there who really care about continuing ag. And so he's definitely been helpful and um, just recently helped us access a new plot. So yeah, it is always changing, you know, with um, development stuff happening or maybe people move or sell their home. You don't really know. So we have kind of a year to year agreement with most folks um, and knowing that can always change. So that's that's one tricky part of the situation. Um, just sort of knowing how much to invest in a space when you don't know how long you're going to have it. That's always tough. You know, I'm always interested in why folks get into farming or intensive backyard gardening. Al, would you say you're you're a farmer or are you more I of an ag- aggressive, intensive backyard gardener? I think I'm a homesteader is what you call it. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you guys have both been at it for a while, so I'm, I'm curious if maybe we could take some time for some tips for folks listening, because like eBay wants some tips. Uh, that's what I get when uh, I tell people about Punk Rock Farmer Friday, like, what should I be doing? What should I be growing? What's the, f- the first place to start? And maybe from some of your, your epic fails, perhaps. What do you think? What has been hard uh, in the past? What have you learned to, to deal with it? Like, uh, maybe you can get back in the Wayback Machine, though, Kristen. The way back? Yeah, like when you first started and you were having having some challenges. You're a pro now, right? Oh, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, you know, every year is different. And so I think that's one reason I love farming. You really never know what you're going to get. So some years you've got great cabbage. Some years you don't. Some years the peppers are doing great. Some years they're not. But I think one thing that we've really struggled with is um, cabbage aphids. Um, I don't know if anyone else has experienced that in their gardens around here, but you'll find them on everything from rutabaga to kale to collards to cabbage, obviously. Um, So that's been something tricky that we've been learning how to navigate and sort of changing some of our cultural practices to sort of help address those sticky critters. A lot of people don't grow cabbage because they bring in all the aphids, right? I I think that's... That's kind of a norm, a norm kind of a thing. But uh, she asked you about history, and you told me a little bit. Your dad has a fruit farm, and you kind of want to grow veggies, so you're like the rebel. That's what I <laughs> the said. rutabaga rebel. <laughs> I guess so. Yeah, my family. I grew up on a fruit farm in Colorado, in Western Colorado, and um, yeah, I, I mean, I love fruit. Don't get me wrong, but. I also, I don't know, I just have a thing for growing veggies, so I love those annual crops. Um, A lot easier to harvest, perhaps, than the trees. (laughs) Sometimes, I mean, you know, you get to stand up with trees, which is nice. We spend a lot of time bending over and squatting, which is, you know, (laughs) fine. But, you know, if you lose a crop one year, you know, whether it's weather or pest or something, then, you know, it's, it's gone and you sort of born and move on. But with trees you lose a crop it's gone for that entire year sometimes you lose a whole tree that can be so devastating and so you know being able to replant something like i can sow another bed of arugula Mm -hmm. i can plant tomatoes again next year you know right it doesn't feel as devastating when you lose something and i know you guys kind of you guys are regenerative you guys i think there's some permaculture things going on where you're preserving soil and stuff and you guys use a lot of cover crops and you don't till so there's all these beautiful green 
cover crop grass and alfalfa and things growing in your beds now because you kick in in the summer. You don't you're not quite a full bore right now, right? No. Well, we plant we try to get as many cover crops in and for anyone who doesn't know what a cover crop is, it's a crop that's generally grown that's not a cash crop, something you're not making money on, but you're sowing it specifically for the purpose of protecting the soil, having living roots in the ground, keeping it covered, protecting from erosion and nutrient runoff. And when I think of cover crops, I think of folks tilling them under and and letting that organic material go back in the soil. But you guys just mow it flat, and then you plant within the root systems that are down down under there still because that's organic material and and it just boggled my mind it's like how do you plant in a root system and have stuff grow i mean the roots are pro- are dead or dying right ideally yeah oh, yeah okay <laughs> so but explain a little bit about that process how, how you guys do it Sure. Yeah. Well, you know, we're still learning. We're definitely students of this. But um, every time we've we've had a cover crop planted and then figured out a way to terminate it and then planted a a productive vegetable crop in it, we've just been blown away by the results we've seen. Um, The plants are so much healthier, so many fewer pests, so much more fruit. Um, So we've just sort of realized, hey, this is something that's showing results. So let's try to figure out how to do this. So we're still learning a lot. But Uh, Most of the time, you know, we're planting in three different seasons. So we try to either seed in the fall, something that will survive through the winter called an overwintering cover crop um, that will be able to terminate in the spring, like you said, by mowing or crimping. So that's when you would kind of bend the plant at the base um, to kill it. And then we've actually been using big silage tarps. Um, You know, it gets so hot here so fast in the spring that if you pull one of these big silage tarps over the cover crop, even if it hasn't completely killed it through mowing or crimping, it'll be toast within a couple days. And so we sort of try to use those tarps, you know, not as something we leave on the soil for a long time or anything, but just to quickly use it to solarize or not really solarize, but, you know, heat up and kill that cover crop. And it leaves this sort of nice mulch on top of the soil that's already begun to sort of decompose and we can plant right into that. And that does a lot of weed prevention a lot of crops, we haven't had to add any extra fertility at all, um, just letting them grow right in there. So it's Great stuff. Great. Really good stuff. Do you have something, Laura? Yeah, I was just going to say, you're also pretty big on bringing people into farming. And I was just looking on your website. Don't know if the position's been filled. Not that I'm looking. But <laughs> it says that you have some positions for new crew members for the season as it starts on the third week of April and going through October. Yes. Well, I should take that down because we <laughs> <laughs> we did fill our we did fill all of our positions this year. Um, you got a waiting list in case somebody you know stubs toe, falls out, sides not for them. <laughs> you know, it could happen. It totally could happen. We should start a waiting list. Yeah. If you're if you want to be on the waiting list, just let me know. Um, <laughs> but it's um, yeah. I love you know i'm i'm still learning they say the more you learn the less you know which i found to be absolutely 100% undeniably true in farming and so it's been really fun to bring other people alongside of us i know i learned so much from Coleman and Carly and they mentored me and Zach through our first season running bug and um just their patience and the time they spent with us has made me really want to give that back to other people who care about learning so we sort of bring people on to learn with us um and kind of just 
get in the groove and, and learn from doing. And we've got a great crew. I'm, I'm so happy that two of them are coming back from last season. Very cool. So yeah, yeah that's excited. always good when they come back. Right. And so, um, what was I going to say? Oops. I lost my train of thought for mm, one second. Right. So, um, you're, you have 115 people that you feed a CSA. When does it start? When does it end? Yeah, so we have 115 roughly uh, families signed up, and we do about 100 shares a week, 95 to 100, depending on people's schedules. Um, we start um, the end of May or the third week of May and go through the end of October usually, so it's about 22 or 23 weeks of uh, CSA season. So you guys are, in, and you're looking to expand, so there will be some slots here in the future, maybe 25 more or so, but um, you guys are always into giving back and t talking about other folks in your area that may have an open CSA. Yes, yes, we are full for the season and we're so grateful to all of our members. Many of them are returning again and we're so grateful for that. But we have a neighbor right across the street, Shad Stagel of Stagel Organics. I know that he still has some space in his CSA and he grows a lot of food. So if you're ready to do some veggie eating this season, definitely reach out to him. And then the Village Cooperative in Rose Park also has CSA shares. And then New Roots as well, I believe, still has some shares available. Very good. Thanks so much, Kristen. Kristen, thanks so much for coming. Really. Yeah, you're welcome. Thanks for having me. I I'm loved it. Good. What's the website again really quick? For us? Yes. Oh, <laughs> www.bugcsa.com. All right. We'll put all that in the show notes. And before we wrap rallies and resources and get to another song by J-Rag Cooley, I found what I was looking for. I didn't have it at my fingertips earlier. Talk about losing your place. I wasn't ready. <laughs> but the State of Utah Department of Air Quality's online lawnmower exchange happens April 4th, folks. So Davis, Salt Lake, Tooele, Utah, and Weber County residents, you can upgrade your gas-powered lawnmower to battery-powered electric through this 2022 online lawnmower exchange. It's so popular now that you basically, on the 4th, you get in there and you put your name in really quick and then they let you know by the 6th if you got chosen. So it's kind of a, a lottery. And what you do is you get this coupon, then you go to a certified vendor, you take them, the old gas guzzler, and you apply that coupon toward a new electric. So if you're interested, I will put that in rallies and resources. I will put that in the connect page. I'll put that in the show notes. Let's get another fresh and homegrown tune, though, shall we? From J. Rag Cooley's Yard Sale, Aldine. Okay. You're just going with it? Yeah, we're just right. going with it. This one is called Living Downtown. It's J. Rad Cooley, fresh and homegrown, right here on KRCL 90.9 FM.
Springtime. Getting excited to get out. It's time to get out. We have to see the mountains and the prairies and the whole rest of that song. The return of the KRCL record sale will be coming up. Hopefully, we can gather and share some music. But right now, we're looking for donations. Maybe you got a box of old records in the attic or the basement, and maybe it's time to donate them to a good cause, your community radio station. And we can pass them on to the next music lover so they can enjoy your 33 and a third treasures. Get with Eric, Eric N at krcl.org. That would be nice. KRCL Spring Radiothon starts April 22nd. That's right, Earth Day. If you're planning to donate already, why not do it right now at krcl.org? In honor of Earth Day, why not plant a tree for a one-time donation of $100? Let's kick off Radiothon right and head into Earth Day with half a forest ready to plant. Donate now at krcl.org. Thanks. And thank you. We can see some more donations Aldine dropping in. I don't know if you've been taking a sneak peek at the records and CDs out here in the lobby, have you? I always thumb through <laughs> them a little bit. You are listening to a Punk Rock Farmer Friday edition of Radioactive on KRCL. I'm Laura Jones. Coming up at 7, it's Democracy Now!, followed by Circus, Circus Brown, not a sideshow. Friday night, Fallout with Keith and Nate after that, and then Liquid Rhythms at 1 a.m. Chanelie's Saturday Breakfast Jam starts at 7. And you can listen on demand to the last two weeks of any show, including this one online at krcl.org. All right, Aldine, it's time for the Urban Farm Report, which is? The Urban Farm Report, uh, we, do th- we do it every every Friday. And uh, last part of our show, James Loomis is with us today from the Green Phoenix Farm, Wasatch Community Gardens. Thanks for coming. It is wonderful to be back. It's so great to have you. Um, at Green Phoenix Farm, d- t- tell... G- we want to know if you can explain it a little bit to, so the listeners know where it is and what it looks like and what's going on there. Yeah, absolutely. So we are about a block and a half west of the Gateway and uh, just under an acre and a half urban farm, plants, flowers, insects, happy people, <laughs> high, high, high production. And uh, right now we are just cranking out seedlings in our, in our high tunnels. And, and I mean... 
cranking out seedlings is cranking out thousands of seedlings is more like it. <laughs> yeah, we're we're, we're going to do uh, right around forty thousand. Wow, is this the, is this more than before? Any time before? Sounds like it. Yeah, we we increase production each year, and you know, it, even it, through COVID. It, through COVID, a lot of people got into gardening. I mean, we 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 our our plant sale. You know, we we were able to move to an online contactless pickup thing, and the the it was pretty slick. Thank you very much. It took a lot of work behind the scenes. I, I've got to give kudos to the WCG team for for really pivoting and and pulling that off in a pinch, but. You know, a, a lot of folks, you know, have have time at home, food security, supply chain issues, and just you know the the, the quality of life, both physically and and mentally and spiritually, that growing your own food provides. I think a lot of people tapped into that, and and here I am with seedlings ready to keep them going with their new passion. So you have a, you have a lot of folks helping you over there, though, right, James? You're keeping folks in line and making them very industrious over there. We, we do. The Green Phoenix, you know, we, we're, we're a farm with a social mission. So we provide employment opportunities and, and mentorship for women who are experiencing homelessness. And so they, they spend time with us growing food and, and, you know, again, all of the, you know, just leveraging that naturally therapeutic environment that, that being in the garden provides. So it takes, and, and we, have, we have a lot of volunteers that, that really come and, you know, it's, 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 it brings me so much joy to have folks come work really hard, and then when they leave, you know, they thank me and ask me, "Oh, when 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 can I do that again?" You know what I mean? Because, you know, those of us that live in the city, not everyone has has the privilege of of having their hands in the soil every day that that I do. So I'm happy to share that super powerful feeling when you walk in that big greenhouse, and if you were a part of growing all the plants in there when i see all those plants and all that green i just i oh man i get excited it's so it's so intense i've been lucky to be one of the first people that gets to go in there and see them before they go to the plant sale and man it's just wall to wall what is it 60 by 100 or something or something what is it 50, yeah, the, 40 50 the, the big tunnel's 42 feet wide 60 foot long and then my small one is uh 24 feet wide and 70 feet long what and, a- and we pack the seedlings in there i think we're I, you know, I don't know if efficient's the right word because we're, <laughs> we're like bursting at the seams. I think it's well past capacity. Right. So, so some, some really exciting thing, something happened just recently. And we all know, we, some of us know a little bit about how difficult this is. And it's organic certification and it's USDA stuff. And it's a lot of hoops is what I've heard. Why don't you tell us? Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I'm proud to announce that that we recently received our organic certification for our seedlings this year through the Utah Department of Agriculture and Food. My application was, it was about 100 pages of, of documentation. And, you know, I've been growing organically, you know, deep organic. I'm, you know, I've been a student of regenerative agriculture and permaculture, and I just geek on this kind of stuff. And so, you know, that part was nailed, but I have to document it and describe it and put it into spreadsheets and methodology, methodologies and charts. And like, I'd rather just go plant lettuce out. (laughs) (laughs) 
<laughs> you know? 100 pages? So what, what specifically, like temperatures and, and uh, kind of milestones over the last year or a couple of years? Yeah, you know, it's, it's I, I actually, going through the process, I, I, I learned a lot and I have a new appreciation and, and respect for organic certification because, you know, they, they really want to know. And, you know, in organic agriculture, how are you dealing with fertility? pests, disease, weeds, and how are you protecting the integrity of, of your organic produce, as well as what ecosystem services and what is your farm doing for the greater environment, which I think is, is fantastic. And so, you know, I basically have to detail all of that in an organic systems plan. Um, if I see this insect, here's what I'm going to do. But more importantly, what are my plan A to prevent it from even happening in the first place? Uh. You're doing it to scale to a certain degree, too, which is another degree of difficulty. Bigger than most, not as big as some. Yeah, that's yeah, no, it definitely. I mean, honestly, doing the intensive mixed vegetable plus seedling kind of thing, it really adds a whole lot of complexity. If I was just growing a thousand acres of wheat this year makes it a lot more simple. You know, I have to kind of detail the process for each type of, of vegetable or, or product that I'm doing. So. Hence a hundred pages of paperwork. <laughs> Organic certification, really great stuff. This means that all the seed that you've imparted on me, and this is now on its way to being totally Organic certified, and I can tell people this seed. Th this is a great no, feeling. No, you can't. Not Al, yet. You can't. Not till I year. grow it. Again. Yes, One yes. More so year. it's not. No, not I did, That's what I was getting at. It's I said we have to wait, but <laughs> there, it's under the same practices and grown the same way you've been growing it forever, though, right? Yes. So yes. So yes. You, so, you can have potato, potato, I, I, I'm waiting till next year but I what I'm happy about is being able to tell people that it's going to be what that's it's just amazing it's amazing and James he's, he's given me maybe five ten pounds of seed in the last couple of years and yeah. it's gone out it's is that gone the seed that we've been sending out that's the seed we've been sending out it's the seed that has gone out at the at the um, Ogden Seed Exchange the last couple of years. It's gone out at the Farm and Food Conference Seed Exchange that we've had down there. Um, I'm going to go do a thing for um, Department of Utah em employees next week, next Friday. I'm going to do a little seminar thing, and I'm going to take seed, and I'm going to say, who's growing a garden? Who needs seed? Who wants to grow a, a, you know, who has big ambitions and wants to grow all year round? This is my, that's going to be, and food sovereignty is going to be my ploy too, obviously. I mean, you hold one seed in your hand, you can feed a lot of people because you can, you save seed. You have millions of seed from one seed. James, you have bags and bags of seed, like, like more seed, more more basil seed than we can ever plant in our whole lives. James, James, I, I blame you. You've made a true believer over here. Well, thanks for spreading the gospel, Al. Well, it's it's easy stuff. It's no brainer. I, I mean, you don't see food on the shelves in the in the supermarket. Who cares? 
Grow your own food in your backyard. I don't even look for produce in the supermarket. Ever. You don't get sucked into that aisle? Well, you know, sometimes I go look just to see what's there. But, the competition right. and you, know. you laugh. But, you know, Al, I think what's also, you know, on that vein and something that I find, which taps back into kind of what Kristen was talking about as well, is, you know, when we're when we're growing and saving our own seed and producing our own seed locally, especially for what a just wild roller coaster chaotic weather we just come to expect here you know that the plants just perform better and and there's a certain intelligence there and a certain adaptation and acclimation that we can take advantage of and so you know a lot of the seeds that you've been sharing you know i've i've, I've been growing those now here for you know six seven eight years selecting for drought resistance and insect resistance and you know, it's 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 really exciting to then also have that deeper relationship with the plant too. So right, and for flavor, camp you you Abs- select for flavor too. Abs- absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Nobody wants like well, I mean, just growing your own fresh produce just tastes so good. I mean, but that yeah. satisfaction of having grown it yourself, that kind of pride of ownership and taste. Oh, ab- absolutely. Let's talk a little bit about the plant sales coming up. It's, yes. Uh, is it May 7th? It is Mother's Day weekend. I believe that Saturday is the 7th or the yep, 8th. Boy, the 7th. Boom. I'll look at you having that up there. I got the web page up for you. You're a boss. <laughs> um, and so all of our vegetable seedlings, as well as, you know, the basil and some of the herbs that I grow, those are going to be certified organic for folks who are you know, who, 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 who that matters to. And then also this year you're growing some bushes and raspberries and things like that. I am dabbling in starting to grow a lot of the edible perennials that we offer. Um, those, you know, will not be available certified organic until next year because uh-huh. of, you know, the regulations around holding them for a year. But, uh, you know, getting the assortment of edible perennials is something we've really struggled to meet the demand of, of our customers. And so... My, my team and I are stepping up. So we have we have a thousand uh, a thousand pots of elderberries and currants and grapes and raspberries and blackberries and jostaberries and horseradish and hops. <laughs> and, Go back to the jostaberries. What are jostaberries? You know, I uh, so a good buddy of mine, Stephen Gaylor, who's like a edible perennial permaculture guru of mine. Uh, we were just looking for everything that does well here. Because especially in the permaculture community, we're looking for more perennial foods. And quickly describe permaculture. What's a quick definition for folks? You know, it's the design science of being able to have our human civilization be able to exist in a way that enhances the ecosystems we live in so that we can have permanent culture rather than consuming the environments we live in and degrading them which means we can't last and we're gonna have less fun and less abundance and that sounds like a bummer (laughs) i want to keep like more smiles and high fives each year it just needs to grow okay i interrupted you just to berries what do they taste like i'll tell you in a couple years when i grow (laughs) i've never had one but i'm excited about them and i i believe they're a cross between a currant and a gooseberry but don't don't quote me on that so Interesting. So cool. You, so you've got all those. You've got all the tough questions. I know. Over I do. Here. Right. So uh, <laughs> you got the the thousands of starts. You've got eighty five tomato selections. Let's just talk about the breadth and depth at the plant sale. And then let's see: seed potatoes and onion, leek and shallot starts. Those edi- edible perennials and herbs you talked about. Flowers and grasses. 
the Wild Valley Farms bagged compost. This is something I think folks have missed over the last couple of years. Yeah, you know, doing that was one thing we had to scale back on with uh, you know, the online plant sale and the contactless pickup because we were trying to move through 15 people every 15 minutes and mm-hmm. boy the compost was just a logistical hurdle. So myself, I only grow vegetables as an excuse to make compost like <laughs> compost is my jam yeah. and so i'm super happy to see these guys coming back so. so and i know you have a little run back there behind where you have a bunch of piles and different stages going on and you're taking temperature of the and uh, to see when it's ripe and ready oh yeah i i you know on one end composting is just a way to recycle organic matter when, when we do it better, we can, we can generate massive amounts of beneficial microbes. And that's something I'm really interested in. And, and when we talk about the seedlings that we grow, from the moment that seed germinates, you know, it, it just has all the microbial allies that it could possibly want. And then we add uh, mycorrhizal fungi spores when we, when we pot them up to, to increase that capacity. I mean, my goal for the starts that I grow are not only are they the best plant performance you've ever seen but everything around them then starts to you know erupt with with fertility and growth because that 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 biological package is coming along with it in the soil and that's that's super important because we also need that that healthy soil and plant biology to reinforce our own microbiome so like that's that's part of, of, of what gardening really offers us. As I recall from years past at the Wasatch Community Garden Spring Plant Sale, the compost that you have goes quickly. So folks should plan ahead. They should be early. You know, we, we actually have a nickname for when we open the, the, the gates at the plant sale. We call it the tomato crush. Um <laughs> And, and, you know, but, but it's, it's people so, go for the tomato starts because uh, they planned ahead and then they want the compost as they get out the door. Yeah. It's kind of like black Friday for seedlings, but <laughs> you know, but we've, we've done a much better job of, you know, really increasing that volume of, of plants that are available. I don't want people to feel like if they don't get there at 5 AM, they're not going to get what they want because right. we, you know, we run it through, I believe, uh, 4 PM and, uh, we'll, Make sure there's plenty of compost for you, Laura. Okay, I want a couple of bags set aside, and I'm going to plan ahead. I'm going to try to rein myself in, Al, because you know I get too ambitious. You have two great guides, and we'll be sure to put them in the show notes because there's the quick reference for folks yes. that are down and dirty and ready to go. But then there's the visual guide for folks like me that want to see what it looks like, pick those fancy colors. Yeah, and, you know, a couple of my colleagues um, – Maddie and Mary Beth have done a really great job of photographing a lot of the varieties that we're growing. And, you know, we're not just offering 85 varieties of whatever tomatoes we can find. These are varieties that that we are trialing and testing and getting feedback on from the community. Uh, Mary Beth that you mentioned earlier, I mean, she take this, this, this is a, a, annual focus of hers and we have trial tomatoes right now germinating in the greenhouse that i've heard we're going to get feedback on to see which ones we'll offer next year there's so. some uh, real italian names on that list this year and i'm always interested in those and uh, uh the trial ones uh, every once in a while i 
I'm loosed and given a few you, of those. You you brought us the abruzzese, <laughs> yes. which is one of the most fun tomatoes to say, which I am actually going to be uh, growing as a seed crop this year yes. because awesome. I love that tomato so much. Awesome. I'm excited. <laughs> I don't have to ever buy the ones from Italy anymore because the ones from growing here are better for us. Because you're going to get them acclimated over the next couple yes, of years. Yes, exactly. Yep. Yep. And what a sexy tomato that one is. It's it, beautiful. It's really beautiful. <laughs> yeah, oh my goodness. Is. So we've talked a lot about starts and we've talked a lot about the plant sale and stuff, but you have a big farm there, James. What's going on with the farm part of it? Tell us about what you're growing now, what you're planning, what you're getting ready to do. I know a couple weeks ago you were doing putting st- some cold weather stuff under a hoop. This <laughs> The seed part uh, and growing seedlings is one small part even though it's <laughs> one of the largest parts <laughs> it, it it gets to be uh you know it gets to be pretty 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 intense i mean you know the the seedlings is, is are are a big part of it but we actually last year we were able to grow and donate uh, about $67,000 worth of produce from our 0.8 acres under cultivation and so right now we're harvesting overwintered spinach and carrots and we have uh, peas, more spinach, lots of lettuce, arugula, radishes, Brussels sprouts, chard, kale, all of these things are out in the ground, as well as more seedlings going in the greenhouse to, to reinforce them. So, so, you know, folks grow a summer garden, but this is, this is something, you know, that in the last few years I've done myself and started to really really try to extend the season and at the beginning and at the end a lot of the greens and spinaches and things and cilantro will grow in the winter time and likes it better than the summer much more you learn a little bits about these this stuff and uh, it's really fun to grow all year round it it is and and while our uh climate can be crazy it's actually pretty mild overall and we can we can take advantage of that with a little bit of of you know plant protection so i just want to go back to what you said when you're talking about how much you're able to generate on your really tiny urban farm that you donate it because you're growing these starts they're going to go to the plant sale we talked about that but then where does this produce go when you donate it in the community so primarily we're hoping to get that produce in the hands of folks who otherwise couldn't afford it so a lot of produce goes out through our other Wasatch Community Gardens programs, particularly our youth and school programs with the Title I schools that we work with. We donate a lot of produce to the family shelter as well as uh, Palmer Court, which is permanent supportive housing. And then we have a number of other partners that are kind of overflow when we have extra, such as Odyssey House. Um, again, just trying to, you know, and, and we also supply plants and mentorship to Odyssey House as well because, you know, you can't it's 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 hard to stop one behavior you know odyssey house is working with with adults dealing with you know substance abuse issues it's often a lot better strategy to replace those behaviors with with something productive and like gardening so covering all the bases you got the old folks you got the kitties mm-hmm. the people with the disease of addiction i'm a food pusher you know <laughs> i just i mean and and that's what you know wasatch community gardens i i love my job so much because literally you know, as an organization, we're here to help people grow and eat 
healthy, organic, local food. I mean, that's a slam dunk. Like, that's what I get to do every day. I want to so give you a standing Amen. ovation. I want to wave the flag. I want to yep. beat the brass band because what you do and Wasatch Community Gardens, the Green Phoenix Farm, Y'all do such good work. So thank you for what you do for the community. Well, well, thanks so much. We have we have such a great team at at at, at WCG. There are a lot of folks working hard, and I just want to high five and virtually thank them all for 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 supporting you know the work that we do at the Green Phoenix. I want to thank you for allowing me to be the seed soldier. <laughs> <laughs> You you got it. I have an endless supply of seed, and here soon I'm going to have some abruzzese for you, my buddy. I'm uh, excited. What is the website where folks can catch up with what's happening at Green Phoenix Farm, Wasatch Community Gardens overall? So wasatchgardens.org, and uh, you can do a backslash plant dash sale where mm. you can access these uh, the, the guides. The guides. We're talking about? Oh, yep, okay. and we are also still looking for some volunteers for the plant sale, so you can click on our volunteer link, and you can also get involved with with the growing of these seedlings as well. And I, you know, again, I try to make sure that folks are, you know, not only, you know, just contributing to the work that needs to be done, but really gaining a deeper understanding of yeah. the hows and the whys to, to, to what we're doing. Where the food comes from, baby. That's it. Well, thank you so much. Thanks, James. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me back. It's always a good time with you, too, on a Friday. Cheers to a good growing season, right, Al? Yes, sir. We're going to wrap up with some more fresh homegrown music. If you uh, just joining us, J-Rag Cooley's putting out, putting out. God, I can't even talk. I'm ready for the weekend, Aldine. <laughs> I can't tell you. But J-Rag Cooley has a new album out. Got it there in front of you. It's a yard sale and a gig coming up at the Stateroom Friday, April 8th, seven-piece band. Uh, when you go back and listen to the show again, at the top of it, there's an interview where he talks about what they've been up to and how they recorded the album. Let's get one more tune, Al. J-Rad Cooley. This one is called My Wallet's Dry, Fresh and Homegrown on KRCL 90.9 FM.
KRCL, Salt Lake City. Remember that scooter stage you went through in high school? KRCL's vehicle donation partners, Cars Inc., will come take that scooter off your hand, give you a tax receipt, and cut a check to KRCL. Whether your boat dream has finally sunk or you've gotten the last mile out of your beloved banner wagon. Donating your vehicle to KRCL is easy and helps support the community radio station you love. Visit the support tab at krcl.org for more information about donating your vehicle to KRCL. KRCL, 90.9 FM, HD1 in Salt Lake City, Ogden, and Provo. 96.7 FM in Park City, on the web at krcl.org. Listener supported, community radio.